Well, this Advent season, we have been using the tradition of the Jesse tree to have the scripture story point us to Jesus. And as we add ornaments to the Jesse tree, we're seeing aspects of the story of the Bible that help us to understand who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. In other words, all the things that we're celebrating at Christmas. So far, we've seen the first 15 ornaments, each of which point us to Jesus in some way. So here's a quick review. The tree stump reminds us of the importance of seeing Jesus's family tree. The world ornament reminds us of creation, of mankind's creation in the image of God and of Jesus, who perfectly displays the image of God to us. The apple ornament reminds us of mankind's fall into sin and the need for a savior. The rainbow ornament reminds us of God's mercy, which is ultimately shown to us, like it was to Noah, it's ultimately shown to us in Jesus. The tent ornament reminds us of God's promise to Abraham of the promised land, because he had to leave his land and travel and stay throughout the land of Canaan. And it reminds us of that promise that ultimately Jesus would inherit the whole world. The star reminds us of God's promise of descendants to Abraham. Those who have faith in Jesus are the true descendants of Abraham, a great multitude no one can number, like the stars in the heavens. The latter reminds us of Jacob's dream and that Jesus is the connecting point between heaven and earth. The coat reminds us of the story of Joseph and how God uses the wickedness of men like the crucifixion of Jesus, for good. The Ten Commandments reveal the perfect law of God, and they point us to Jesus, who perfectly fulfills and establishes that law. The grapes reminded us of the blessing that God promises his people by faith, blessings which God gives to us in Christ. The wall ornament Reminds us of Jericho and the story of Rahab. And in Rahab, and Rahab is in the line of Christ, we see once again that it is by faith that one becomes part of the family of God. The wheat or barley ornament reminds us of the story of Ruth, excuse me, another foreigner who became part of the family of God by faith. And Boaz redeeming Ruth points us to Jesus, our Redeemer. And Ruth, like Rahab, is in the family line of Jesus. The slingshot ornament reminds us of David and Goliath. David was the serpent-crushing representative of God's people who is a king in the line of Jesus. The sheep ornament reminds us that David is the shepherd king. Jesus, too, would be our shepherd king. He was announced to the shepherds because he's the Lamb of God and the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And the altar ornament reminded us of the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Jesus is the one and only way to the one and only God. Well, this morning we're going to add the next five ornaments and learn how they help us along in understanding the story of Jesus and the story of Christmas. And the first one this morning is the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. And again, you see the references that are up here. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you're welcome to do that. I will be reading them out loud, but you know that those are the passages that I'll be going to. Excuse me. 
Isaiah was a prophet who lived in Jerusalem. He began his ministry in 740 BC in the year that King Uzziah died. And he continued ministering under the kings Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah. One well-known prophecy of Isaiah is found in chapter 7 of Isaiah, verse 14, and it says this, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, the original meaning of that prophecy had to do with a particular situation in Isaiah's day. But Matthew, when he writes his gospel, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, realized that prophecy from Isaiah was ultimately pointing to Jesus. So Matthew rightly applies the prophecy to the birth of Jesus. And Jesus' birth was miraculous. He was born of the Virgin Mary. And Jesus was Emmanuel, which means God with us. The last part of the book of Isaiah, chapters 56 to 66, include a description of the kingdom of Messiah. The days when this promised ruler would come to rule over God's people and it would be a time of peace and prosperity and righteousness and justice. And when that ruler, the Messiah, would come, he would establish those things. And that would mean a great reversal of the situation of suffering and darkness and sin and injustice. So a lot of the prophecies at the end of the book of Isaiah describe that wonderful time that God's people were looking forward to. For example, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, promised this. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Well, those are familiar verses at Christmas, because Jesus is described as the light, who arrives in the world to dispel the darkness. And the next chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, begins this way with the promised ruler, the Messiah, as the one who's speaking. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus is the one who would accomplish this too. So this is part of the Christmas story. And when Luke writes his gospel, he includes a story about Jesus returning to his hometown of Nazareth. He went to the synagogue and they invited him to give the scripture reading for the day. And when he did, that's the passage that he turned to, Isaiah 61. Here's how Luke tells us what happened. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Just like we read from Isaiah 61. 
And then Luke says, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So the scroll of Isaiah reminds us that Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies that Isaiah the prophet gave. The long-awaited Messiah, the ruler who would establish God's kingdom, arrived at Christmas in the person of Jesus. So is there someone that would be willing to come up and hang the scroll ornament on the Jesse tree for us this morning? Anybody willing to do that? All right, Barrett, come on up. You got the next one. All right, thank you. Well, the next ornament on our Jesse tree is the lion. And the lion reminds us of the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was a Jew living in Babylon during the time that the Babylonians had captured the Jews and took them into exile in Babylon. Daniel was faithful to God, even though that meant disobeying the rulers in Babylon. And Daniel was one of the ones who was chosen to serve in the royal courts in Babylon. So he had a pretty important position. Now, some of the powerful people, though, in Babylon did not like Daniel. In fact, they made a special temporary law designed especially for the purpose of getting rid of Daniel. They knew that Daniel prayed to God every day. Daniel would go to his window that pointed in the direction of Jerusalem, his home, and he would pray there to God. Well, these wicked men convinced the king to make a law that no one was allowed to pray to anyone except the king himself. And the king, probably being pretty flattered by the idea, went along with this, uh, this law. But Daniel didn't obey it. Daniel still prayed to God just like he normally did every day. Well, the wicked men went directly to the king and told him what Daniel had done. The king liked Daniel. He didn't want to punish him. But he had to uphold the law, he thought. So Daniel was thrown into a den of hungry lions. And a stone was put over the opening to the den, and it was sealed shut with the king's own signet. In the morning, when the king went and unsealed the lion's den, Daniel was unharmed. During the night, God sent an angel to protect Daniel. The king was overjoyed, and after Daniel was pulled out, the king threw in the wicked men. The story of Daniel and the lion's den points us to Jesus in a number of ways. Let me just summarize a few of them. First, Daniel was truly innocent, just like Jesus was. So both Daniel and Jesus were sentenced to death when they had done nothing wrong. Second, Daniel was placed essentially in a tomb, which was covered with a great stone and sealed so that no one could tamper with it. Jesus, too, was placed in a tomb after his crucifixion. And then a great stone was placed over the tomb and was sealed so that no one could tamper with it. And then third, when the stone was removed, Daniel was alive. He had not been harmed. And when the stone was removed from Jesus' tomb, of course, it was Jesus coming out. When the stone was discovered, it was realized that Jesus, too, was alive. Now, he had gone through death and out the other side, but he was alive again. And then finally, if we listen 
to what the king said after Daniel survived the lion's den, we can't help but think of Jesus. Listen to what the king wrote. King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Well, there are a lot of parallels there. Peace is offered to all peoples, nations, and languages. It is cause to fear God. The kingdom of this God will be eternal, and Jesus' kingdom is described the same way. It helps us to see that God delivers and rescues. And how does God deliver and rescue us? But through Jesus. So the story of Daniel and the lion's den points us to Jesus. And Christmas is the arrival of the king whose kingdom will never be destroyed and whose dominion shall be to the end. All right, it's time to hang our lion ornament on the tree. Come on up. You can find a spot for it on there. Very good. Thank you. All right. The third ornament this morning for our Jesse tree is the town of Bethlehem. And this reminds us that Jesus' birth in Bethlehem was a fulfillment of a prophecy about where he would be born. The prophet Micah ministered right around the same time as Isaiah And one of the things that Micah prophesied has to do with the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5 say this. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace." So this promised ruler, the Messiah, the shepherd king, would come from Bethlehem. Now this was a bit unusual because Bethlehem was very small and insignificant. It sits in the shadow of the great city Jerusalem, just a few miles away. Bethlehem was more known for its sheep than for anything impressive or glorious. But this is where the king would be born. In fact, When the wise men came to Jerusalem to find this baby who had been born king of the Jews, Herod asked the chief priests and the scribes of Jerusalem where the Messiah was supposed to be born. And they pointed to Micah's prophecy and told him the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. When Luke tells the Christmas story, he tells us how Jesus ended up being born in Bethlehem. And here's what Luke says. This is Luke chapter 2. Verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus 
that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. So the reason that Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem was because of the decree of the Roman ruler. They had to obey the census and go to the hometown of Joseph's ancestors, Bethlehem. And so Micah's prophecy about where Jesus would be born was fulfilled. So who would be willing to come hang the Bethlehem ornament on the Jesse tree for us? Charlie, come on up. Thank you. All right, well, the next ornament is the angel. And this reminds us of the announcement that the angels made of Jesus' birth. An angel appeared to Zechariah to announce the birth of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. An angel appeared to Mary to tell her that she would give birth to Jesus. And an angel appeared to Joseph to tell him what was happening too. But then when Jesus was born, the angels made a great public announcement to the shepherds. Here's how Luke records that story. This is Luke 2, 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So a single angel appeared to the shepherds, telling them that the Savior, the Messiah, had been born in Bethlehem. And the angel gave them a sign to look for, so that they would know where to find him. In other words, the angel expected them to come and see the baby. They were to look for a baby lying in a manger. And then, as soon as the angel gave that instruction, Luke says that a multitude of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Host is a, a word that's used in the Bible usually to describe a great army. This was a heavenly army announcing the birth of their commander-in-chief, their king, Jesus. You know, sometimes we kind of picture very um, feminine-looking angels in the sky. I'm not sure that the angels were in the sky. It says they were heavenly hosts, I think, to tell us where they're from. But they probably appeared a lot more like a, a very impressive army. 
I think that's probably what the shepherds saw, uh, maybe standing on all of the hillsides around them. And this was an event that would bring glory to God. At the same time, it would bring peace on earth. And that's still happening. It's still being worked out. Because as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, Jesus must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So Jesus is ruling and reigning, bringing peace on earth to everyone who has faith in him. We have peace with God. The conflict between God and sinners, the separation caused by our sin is reconciled and we have peace with God because of Jesus. That's the good news that the angels came to announce. So who would be willing to come put the angel ornament on the tree? Okay, so we have two more ladies. One of you can come on up now and one can do the next one. Kimber, come on up. Very good, thank you. Well, the last ornament for this morning is the shepherd's staff. Now, we just talked about the angels and their announcement. Now we're reminded of who the announcement is given to and who came to visit Jesus. The announcement came to the shepherds and they came to visit Jesus. Here's how Luke continues his story in Luke chapter 2. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Well, we saw earlier that the announcement came to shepherds because Jesus would be the shepherd king and because Jesus would be the Lamb of God. So who were the shepherds? Well, shepherds were not exactly at the top of society. They were blue-collar workers, and they were often dirty and smelly. If you were royalty and you wanted to make an announcement about a birth in the family, the birth of a great prince who would become king, you wouldn't go to the shepherds to make the announcement. You would go to a great city, and all the important people, the religious leaders and the political leaders and the scholars and the wealthy and the nobility, not the shepherds. But this announcement comes to the shepherds. Why? Well, the shepherds of Bethlehem provided the sheep that were used in the temple for the sacrifices in Jerusalem. And the baby who was born in Bethlehem at Christmas was not just a great king, but he was also the final perfect sacrificial lamb. He would one day come to Jerusalem as a king, he'd be rejected as king, but he would be offered as a sacrifice for our sins. So the shepherds were the right people to receive this announcement. Now, how did the shepherds respond? 
Well, they responded in faith. They believed the announcement. They went to Bethlehem as they were instructed to see the baby. And then they told everyone else. They made it known. They took over the job of the angels and kept announcing Jesus' birth. The shepherds glorified God and praised him too. And those are the responses that we should have. We should tell others about Jesus. We should glorify and praise God for the birth of the shepherd king, the lamb of God, who would be the perfect final sacrifice for our sins. Josephine, you want to come up and put the shepherd's staff on the Jesse tree for us? Thank you. This tree is getting crowded. Kind of like the Old Testament is crowded with prophecies and pictures and shadows and types of Jesus. There's so much that we could dig in and discover about this masterful plan that God had of who Jesus would be and what he would accomplish and all of these different things that point us forward to it. So what have we seen this week? Well, the scroll of Isaiah reminds us of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the one who brings peace and righteousness and justice for all of God's people. The lion reminds us of the story of Daniel. Daniel's story then points us to Jesus. Christmas is the arrival of that king whose kingdom will never be destroyed and whose dominion shall be to the end. The Bethlehem ornament reminds us of Micah's prophecy of where the Messiah king would be born. And the Christmas story shows us how God directs human history to fulfill his promises and accomplish salvation for his people, even right down to having the Roman emperor issue a decree about a census at just the right time so that Joseph and Mary would end up in Bethlehem. The angel reminds us of the announcement of Jesus' birth and the heavenly army that celebrated the arrival of their king. And the shepherd's staff ornament reminds us of why the announcement came to the shepherds. Jesus would be the shepherd king and he would be the lamb who was the perfect final sacrifice for our sin. And the shepherds show us what our response should be. Our response to Christmas to tell others about Jesus glorify and praise God for the birth of his son. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you again for just another collection of images and prophecies and pictures that point us to Christ. I pray that we would read your word with eyes opened to see how all of it points us to Jesus. And especially at Christmas, as we turn our attention to the Christmas story and the baby in the manger, help us not just to get caught up in the sentimentalism of how we sometimes view Christmas or the, the joy and the excitement of gift giving, although those are really good things too. And they're perfectly appropriate because this was the greatest gift that was ever given. But help us to also remember that in this story of Christmas, all the hopes and fears of all the years are met together in this town of Bethlehem as you fulfill so many prophecies. 
and pictures and shadows and types and help us to once again be struck with the wonder of how you guide and direct all of human history and that you provided the way of salvation at just the right time. We want to praise and glorify you for that like the angels and the shepherds did. And we pray it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.